This conference will now be recorded. This conference will now be recorded. This conference will now be recorded. Welcome to WOMA's series on OEM updates with this week's session on COVID-19 serological testing, what we know and what we need to know. My name is Dr. Alia Khan and I am today's moderator. WOMA is the Western Occupational and Environmental Medicine Association and a subcomponent of ACOM. We have designed these WOMA podcasts to be a tool and a benefit for WOMA members to stay current on topics of interest to occupational and environmental medicine physicians. The WOMA Education Committee members involved in planning this session have no relevant financial relationships to disclose, and neither does today's speaker. So the current big topic is COVID-19, which has been on the forefront of the minds of all healthcare workers. As we have moved from the containment stage to the mitigation stage in the US, physicians, including occupational medicine physicians, are wondering about the utility of new COVID-19 testing technology. A lot of people are asking about testing for antibodies and how this will affect our current plan in managing this pandemic, but also how this can be utilized in the future. I am delighted to have Dr. Kirstine O oh here who will help answer some of these questions. Dr. O oh is a partner pathologist at Cellnetics Pathology and Laboratories in Everett, Washington, and medical director of the lab at Providence Regional Medical Center in Everett, Washington, and the Swedish Edmonds Cancer Center. Dr. O oh attended medical school at the Mayo Medical School in Rochester, Minnesota. She completed a residency in anatomical and clinical pathology and a fellowship in hematopathology from Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts. She is board certified in anatomic pathology, clinical pathology, and hematopathology. Prior to joining Cellnetics Pathology and Laboratories, Dr. O served as an associate pathologist at Brigham and Women's Hospital. Dr. O, welcome to Wilma's podcast. Thank you very much for having me here. Of course. So as I alluded to in the introduction, I've been hearing from many of my colleagues and other physicians about the latest COVID-19 testing being developed, the hot topic being serological testing. I also see many being marketed to the public, including home test kits. And there's, there's a lot of different types of tests out there. So can you tell us what is the current state of antibody testing for COVID-19? So um, a lot of the material I'm taking is from the preprint servers that obviously have most of their uh, larger studies coming out of China. And so they have done a few, quite a few studies on serologic testing. And um, that is the basis of uh, my analysis or knowledge about what's going on and how these tests really work. Um, in terms of the United States, uh, there are major commercial labs and uh, large, you know, hospital facilities or multi-systems specialty facilities like the Cleveland Clinic or the Mayo Clinic that are working on a lab-developed um, serologic assay, and uh, mostly they're concentrating on IgG um, testing because the IgM uh, response can be absent or weak or delayed in a subset of patients. And I think that's really what's coming out of the literature in China is that in a certain subset of patients, uh, maybe anywhere from 10 to 40% of them will not even have an IgM response. And so this makes our 
use of this test quite problematic um, and why, um, at least in my hospital system, we're trying to be very careful about rolling it out or even thinking about rolling it out uh, because a negative test potentially does not rule out that the patient is infected or has been infected. Very interesting. Um, you know, I just heard uh, last week that FDA just issued an emergency authorization for one company to perform such testing. Um, and it's, you know, in the news cycle, it's becoming very popular to talk about. Can you tell us what are the barriers to a commercial test that need to be overcome and what we should be looking for? So with commercial tests, it's all about sensitivity and specificity. But in this arena in particular, it's also about timing of when to test the patient. So in the studies that I've seen, um, in the first week of, of uh, serologic assays after exposure, the sensitivity of this test is is fairly low. And so it gets to be higher um, the later in the disease course, uh, but the fact is that providers have to be cognizant of that when they're looking at the results. Um, and so when I'm looking at the Celex and all the other test kits that are coming on the market without EUA approval or pending EUA approval, many of their information is just says flat out sensitivity and specificity. And the sensitivity for IgM for you know 20 different kits that I looked at can vary from 61% to 98%. But it, they don't tell you when they did the testing. Right. So if you did the testing within the first week after the symptoms appeared, it was probably more like 15% or 20%, um, and then it could and rise higher as the uh, disease progresses. But um, that lack of information um, certainly is a barrier for us to be able to roll it out with a high degree of certainty that will be used in a clinically meaningful way. So yeah, that goes into you know my next question. Um, you know, from you know we're occupational medicine. I'm an occupational medicine physician, and from the OCMED provider view, our clients will likely be asking for this test to determine if their employees can return to work. I'm also hearing from various elected officials that antibody testing will help in deciding when to open up schools, offices, and essentially we then can know when to resume going back to normal life. I also expect that our patients will be asking for this test or even coming to us with results from a home test kit. Um, so, you know, we're wondering about the clinical utility of this test, which you alluded to a little earlier. Um, and uh, so can you go over um, in a little more detail about the how we should be looking at the results, especially in the timeline for the IgM and IgG and how clinics and academic institutions can go about interpreting these tests? So, as I said, the um, initial rise is not going to be really seen for IgM until, um, you know, 8 to 14 to 15 days after the um, onset of symptoms, and that's in the people who actually are going to mount an immune response or have any detectable IgM at all. Um, there are a subset of folks on either end of the clinical spectrum who may not have any antibody response. So um, a subset of people with very mild disease can have very low antibody levels. 
and a subset of immunocompromised people don't make antibodies at all. So those are the two biggest caveats in interpreting this test. In terms of what I've heard from my ID colleagues about how this test should be used or could be used, there's still a lot of debate on how really to interpret it, and many of them are leaning towards only looking at the IgG levels as an epidemiologic tool instead of a clinically useful tool. And so there is a real dichotomy between what some of the ID physicians are thinking and what the physicians on the ground in, in primary care clinics who are getting a lot of questions from their patients are thinking on how they can use this. And so I'm really hoping in the next couple of weeks that um, the ID community and societies can come out with some sort of recommendation because at least when I look at the data, um, serologic testing can be used to rule in that a patient was exposed. Um, if the IgM is positive, then it means that, yes, it was relatively recently, but there have been no studies as to how long it takes for the IgM to go to zero. Um, and so as we move along in this epidemic, um, the IgG may be the thing that we're going to see the most. And it, as we all know, that's, that's just a marker of exposure. It is not a, mo a marker of timeline. Okay, great, yeah. And um, and also keeping those caveats in mind that you talked about with people who may just not mount that antibody response will be important for us to know. Well, Dr. O, thank you for prov providing us with the most up-to-date information, which I know many physicians will find useful and we will continue to follow for any additional updates. Um, please stay safe, Dr. O, and for all of those listening, on behalf of the WOMA Education Committee, the WOMA Board of Directors, and myself as moderator of this podcast, I want to sincerely thank our speaker, Dr. Christine O, and also thank those of you who listened. The goal of these WOMA podcasts is to update you on a topic of current interest to occupational medicine. We know that this topic raises many more questions, and we hope that this information will generate further interaction beyond this podcast. This concludes today's podcast. Thank you.